Thank you, Toby. Uh, evening, everyone. It's really great to see you. Um, as Toby has said, we've been long-term supporters and fans of St. Nick's. We've been praying for you since before you were even a twinkle in your father's eye. And we pray for you still. And it's just a wonderful privilege to be here. Um, particularly great to see just your amazing worship, how everyone is so talented, everyone's so good-looking. Uh, you online particularly, you're gorgeous. Um, as Toby said, my name's Philip, and uh, I'm actually half Nigerian, half English. Half Nigerian means um, I've got rhythm. Half English means I can't dance, and that's kind of my backstory, and I want to talk about that a little bit later. But I want to ask you a question. The question is, where are you at right now? I don't know too many of you here. I don't know where you're at watching online. For some of you, you've come back into church and you've just been desperate to get back in. You've been so keen. You've been counting off the days. Your faith has been strong. In fact, it's grown over lockdown. And now you're back, ready to just go back into it again. For some of you, you're here, and actually, if you're honest, this may be one of the first times that you've connected online or you're back in the building. And for you, faith has been something which has been stretched thin over the last few months. It's like this lockdown, this whole pandemic has just dried you out. It's left you feeling flat. And the, the faith that you had is kind of deflated like an old party balloon two days later. And you come in and you're trying to find some of your faith again, but it's not easy. And some of you are here or you're watching, and actually the pandemic and the events of the last few months have brought you to this point. Maybe like Rodri and um, Katie, you've had those questions of rediscovering a faith that you used to have or reconnecting with something that you once used to believe in. Or maybe it's totally the, the opposite thing. Maybe you're totally on the outside. You've been brought by a friend, or you've had a conversation, or you've seen something and it's just begun to push you. The fact of the matter is that no matter where we are, the events of the last few months have brought us all to a point of questioning. And when all the physical, superficial, day-to-day -day stuff is disrupted, it does make you think about spiritual questions. It does make you think about God. And if you don't have questions about God right now, then you've not been paying attention. We have all kinds of questions. Where is God in all of this? What does God feel about us right now? Is God angry? Is God random? Is he being kind to some people and some people have had a great time and they're part of the COVIDocracy and they've got a wonderful lifestyle and it's all been good, but he's mean to other people and they've had bereavement, they've lost jobs, they've been economically, psychologically, socially devastated. Where is God in all of this? And the story that Toby has just read for us is a story of Jesus saying, you want to know what God is like. You want to know how God feels about you. You want to know where God is and how God operates, particularly in the hard times, in the difficult times. Let me tell you a story. And let me tell you a story about a boy that got lost. Now, I mentioned the Nigerian English thing uh, for you because actually I was a boy that became lost. And you don't know about life until you've been well and truly lost. You don't know how people feel about you until you have been profoundly lost. My family, I was born in Nigeria, grew up uh, between Nigeria and England. 
Uh, when I was 11, my parents said to me, we want you to complete your education in England, so we're going to send you to England to stay with grandma and granddad. They lived in York. That's where I went to school. So my dad takes me on a plane. We get to York. I go there for the autumn term, a new academic year. And then it comes to the Christmas holidays. And I have to get my way back to my family in Nigeria. That's the deal. I get to come home during the holidays. And my grandma and my granddad, they take me, they drive me to Leeds Airport, Yeadon Airport. And they drive me there, and their plan was to keep with me until I was able to get on the plane to Lagos International Airport. But there's a problem. It's fog. This incredible pea super, like you can't see anything. And my grandparents are freaking out. They're thinking that the motorway is going going to be closed. They can't get home. And so they say, Philip, you'll be fine here. We'll just leave you. Just watch out for the notices about the Lagos International Airport. I say, fine. How difficult can it be? I'm 11 years old. I wait. The plane is delayed. It's delayed. It's delayed. Finally, a notice comes forward. They say, all passengers for Lagos International Airport need to get on a coach. We'll transfer you to Manchester Airport. I'm like, I can do coach. This is cool. This is fun. This is an adventure. I get my bag. I get my stuff. I go on the coach. We get to Manchester. I wait around for what seems like hours. It was hours. There's no... Planes taking off, it's such bad weather. And then finally, after ages, they say, right, Lagos International Airport, a connecting flight to Gatwick. So I'm like, right, I have to get on the plane. And I get on the plane, somehow I'm navigating my way. Uh, The airline, they didn't do anything for me. They didn't help me at all, because this was in the 70s, actually. And in the 70s, care for kids hadn't been invented yet, it wasn't a thing. That wouldn't come till the mid-90s. All they gave me was a colouring book, and a sick bag. And I use both of them uh, extensively. And so I'm on this plane and I get to Gatwick. I wait around and then the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life, they announce that there's going to be a connection to Heathrow for my flight, but it's a helicopter. They used to do helicopters from Gatwick to Heathrow. I'm, I'm on a helicopter. This is like the most amazing day of my life. It's a very, very long day, and I'm really, really tired. And I get to Heathrow. I'm waiting around. I wait for three, four hours, and then finally there's an announcement, Lagos International Airport. And, ladies and gentlemen, by a miracle, I got my wits together. I kept them. I got on the plane, six-hour flight. I landed in Lagos International Airport. No, I, I was going for more. Um, not even a carry act. Not even a carry act. Um, and in Lagos International Airport, the airport was full of no family. No mum, no dad, no little brother. And that was so disappointing. I mean, I've been, I've been on this major odyssey. And I've landed. I've got myself there. They're not there. So I'm thinking, fine, I've got the colouring book. I've got a couple of pages to fill in. I've got my bags. I sit myself down in a seat. And I'm sure that they're going to be here any moment now. I'm just colouring a half an hour and then an hour goes by. No parents. Two hours goes by. No mum, no dad, no little brother. Three hours. Four hours. Five hours goes by. No one comes to get me. I am so, 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 so lost. And at this moment... I'm like, this. I'm done. I'm just going to cry now. I mean, I've been traveling for 24 hours. And I just start gently, with dignity, crying my eyes out. My coloring book is all blotted. 
and it is a tragic scene. Airline people come up to me and uh, they speak to me and they say, what are you doing? Sorry, <laughs> it's an African accent. It's, uh, even I'm offended by that one. Um, but uh, that's what they said. What are you doing? I said, I haven't got my mum or my dad or my little brother. They are not here. And I don't know where they are. They said, um, do you live in Lagos? I said, no, but my, we've got family here. Do you know the address of where they live? I said, no. And I literally said this. I remember it like it was yesterday. I said, no, but I think if you drove me around in a car, I'm pretty sure I could recognize it. They said, okay, there are millions of people that live in Lagos. That is not going to work. What is the name of your family member? Who, who is it? I said, it's my grandma. Okay, okay. What is the name of your grandmother? And I said, ah, this one I know. Her name is Mama Akva. There's a sigh. And the guy says, okay, you do realize that Mama Akba is just the Nigerian word for grandma. Everyone's grandma is called Mama Akba. I said, I didn't know that, but on reflection, it does make sense now. <laughs> they said, okay, we're going to take you to a hotel. And uh, you'll just, you just get to live a, a new life in a hotel. It'll be fine. You'll just eventually forget about your family. And they took me with my bags. They took me out of the airport into the car park. A taxi pulled up. The boot comes up. My bag goes in. And a hand opens the back door of the taxi cab. And I am supposed to get in. And at that point, I had never felt more lost in my life. And here's the paradox. I felt lost even though I knew precisely where I was. And in theory, I knew precisely where I needed to be. At least I could recognize it if you drove me there. But I had never been more lost because that kind of loss that Jesus is talking about, it's not about location. That kind of loss is not about location. It's not about where you are. You don't have to be in a place in life where you don't know where you are in life or you don't know what you're doing. Actually, the lostness that I felt at that moment is the same lostness that that boy in the story that Jesus tells feels. He has gone to a foreign country. He has squandered his family's wealth. He's wasted his inheritance. He's parted hard and he's parted long and now everything's dried up and the hard times have come. It's easy to do life on your own when times are good. It's easy to live your life without any idea or thought about the supernatural, the transcendent, the ethereal, the divine. It's easy to do that when life is easy, when there's no precious stress or difficulty. But what we've all found in these last few months is that these times of challenge, these times of pain, they show us what we really have. When you take away the superficial, the, the veneer, you find underneath it a lostness because it's not about location that makes you lost. It's about connection. I ain't knew where I was in Lagos International Airport in the car park, but it was my connection with my father that was lost. And because I was not connected to my father, because my father didn't know where I was, and because I didn't know where my father was, even though I knew physically where I was, I was totally and utterly, completely lost. It's as um, we heard in the testimony about being lost, feeling lost in life. 
And there's something that happens with this boy, that it's the challenge, it's the suffering, it's the questions that pile up in his mind while he's there in a pigsty, feeding the pigs and feeding utterly at the end of his rope, utterly, totally broken. Jesus uses this incredible phrase. Now, in the passage that Toby read, it's translated, when he came to his senses. But actually what Jesus said, the word that Jesus uses is really so incredibly interesting Because it literally says, when he came to himself. Because there was something about this boy where he'd lost who he was. This is not who I'm supposed to be. This is not how I do life. This is not what I pictured when I thought about what my life was going to be like. This is not the kind of person that I thought I was supposed to be. He has lost himself. I wonder how many of us right now watching or here in the building... You have that sense of, I feel like I've just lost who I am. I feel like I'm just a drone going through the motions. Or I feel like all of my life is just flat. Or I feel like I don't connect with God at all. I feel he's kind of there in theory, but I I don't feel him here in, in, in practice. And there's something very powerful that happens in the pigsty with this boy. He comes to himself. The first stage in being lost to being found is you start to find yourself. He comes to himself and he starts to ask questions. He starts to probe and he starts to think about his life. He starts to uh, let those little niggling ideas and voices in his head that he's just pushed out before, he starts to listen. And he begins to ask, what am I doing here? What's going on? How did I get here? How many of my father's men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. What's the worst that can happen? He decides to take a risk. He says, listen, I've got nothing, literally nothing to lose. I love what Rodri said. Um, I think it was right. No, it was in the, in the video where when they talk about Alpha and the guy with the cool voice says, you've got nothing to lose. And it's true. He has this moment when he thinks, well, why don't I make a step towards my father? Why don't I retrace my steps? Why don't I go back to that thing that I used to have some kind of belief in back in the day? What have I got to lose? I can't possibly be in a worse position than I am right now. And then he experiences the running father. I'm 11 years old. I'm in the car park of the Lagos International Airport. The door yawns in front of me like the doorway to hell. And then from a long way off, hundreds of meters, it was a long way, and I, to this day, don't know how he did it. Because I can't be more than a speck in the distance. But I hear this voice, Philip, and I look And against all odds, impossibly, my family, who had arrived a day earlier, expecting to meet me and welcome the plane full of no sun, who are devastated and don't know what to do and where to turn, they have come back. They've been just coming back to the airport, trying to find me, trying to look for me. And my dad has come out, and somehow he's parked a long way away. But he's, I don't know, he just looked, and he knew that it was me. And my dad is running, he's running, he's running. He's running towards me and he's shouting my name. And his tears are streaming down his face. Now, I knew my dad loved me. It's his job. It's always been there. But I never knew how much he loved me until I got lost. 
You don't realize how loved you are by God until you realize how lost you are. And Jesus says, do you want to know? Do you want to know what God is like? God's like a man running. You know, in those days, old men, dignified men, landowners, they don't run. It's like imagining the queen running. It's just just not going to happen. It's not done. It's not dignified. But he's running. And Jesus puts in this amazing phrase. It says, when the father saw him from a long way off, he had compassion on him. Everyone say compassion. And that word compassion, it's my favorite word of all time in all of scripture. The Greek word, it's splanknizomai. Everyone say splanknizomai. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Write it in the comments, that's a challenge. It comes from the root word, Greek word splanknon, where we get the English word spleen. Let me explain. In the ancient Near Eastern mind, everything was 18 inches lower. You didn't think with your head, you thought with your heart. As a man thinks with his heart, so he is. And you didn't feel with your heart, you felt with your gut. And splanknizomai literally means a wrenching of the gut, a twisting of the gut. It was a literal gut-wrenching thing because in their mindset, that's where you feel strong emotion. You fall in love. It's not that your heart stops pumping, but man, you, you get butterflies in your stomach and you can't eat and you're pining. Put your hands up if you're pining for someone right now. But you, when you have to be courageous, it takes what? Guts. When you feel strong emotion, you feel it viscerally, literally the viscera. And that's, that was their kind of thinking. So Valentine's Day in ancient Near Eastern culture, two lovers would send themselves cards with a little picture of 40 foot of long intestine with an arrow through it. That's kind of their mentality. And it says that when he saw him, he felt the most overwhelming emotion. You think that God is aloof? You think that God is remote? You think that God can take it or leave it? You think that God doesn't give you a second thought? Jesus is saying, you're wrong. With respect, you're wrong. You're so wrong. Your father, he loves you beyond all comprehension. And when he looks at you and when he sees you and when he sees you coming and taking a risk and taking a step and making a move forward towards him that he's been longing for and waiting for for so long, he runs with all of his compassion. I saw my dad and in my dad's tears and in my dad's powerful running, my dad was track and field back in the day and no one ever ran faster or with more passion than my dad on that day. I see God in him. And the man, the old man, just like my father back in the day, he falls on his son and he's just, he clatters into him like an express train. He's been running, running, running. His sandals are kicking up a dust cloud. His beard is flapping in the breeze. He's picking up his skirts and he just falls upon the sun, rains down, kisses upon him like showers of rain. My boy, my boy, my boy. And the guy's trying to get his speech across. And the father says, listen, I don't care. I don't care where you've been. I don't care who you slept with. I don't care what you did. I don't care what you took. I don't care how you messed up. All I know is that you are mine and that you are back with me. And Jesus says, this is how God feels about you. And that boy, when he was asking questions, which is pretty much what Alpha is all about, 
he has to come to a point where he takes a risk. And I think for some of us watching here and for some of us here in the building right now, the question is this, will you take a risk? Will you take a risk where you have so little to lose and potentially everything to gain? He takes a risk. He takes a risk. He moves towards his father. And it works out way better than he can imagine. And you've heard the stories. You've heard the testimonies. And they were so profoundly moving. One of the things, I think, for those of us that feel like, yeah, I, I, I do feel secure in my father's love. One of the things that speaks to me so much about the power of the prodigal son and that story is how the father falls upon his son and then says to his servants, get a robe, get a ring, get sandals. And every time I read that, I have to mentally recalibrate because in my brain, I'm thinking and I'm reminded of my dad running towards me. But I have to recalibrate because where did the servants come from? Suddenly the servants with him. And uh, it's obvious, if you think about the story, that this rich landowner, as he sees and he runs towards his son, the servants are with him and they're having to keep up with the old man so that he can tell them, as they're out of breath, just vomiting on the pavement next to him, get a rope, go back, go back. You didn't bring a rope? Get the trust fund ring, put it on him. Boy, come here, you smell of pig, but I love you. I have always thought to myself, I want to be like the servant. I I want to be like the servant because I was lost, but now I'm found. When I needed God, he came into my life. When I asked those questions, when I took a step towards my father, he came barreling down the road and he met me and he transformed and changed my life. And now I want to take a risk and bring others in. I want to be someone that extends an invitation. I love inviting people to Alpha. Um, so, yeah, I've seen a lot, but I, one of my neighbors ended up inviting them to Alfred just about three or four years ago and uh, changed her life. She became a Christian. Her husband became a Christian. I got to baptize them, do their marriage. They, they did a kind of, we need help. Give us a 10-year uh, renewing of the vows. We did all that stuff together. But I remember when I was baptizing her, she said to me, Philip, how did you know that I was in such turmoil? I said, I had no idea. I said, I I didn't really even know your name, barely. Um, But your father felt compassion. His heart went out to you. The whole of his being was racked with the most intense emotion. Love divine. All loves excelling. The God who is your father loves you calls you home. And I want us to to be able to pray. I want us to be able to celebrate. I love the fact that uh, the the bit where Toby ended the story was they began to celebrate. That's why I love being in church. That's why I love being with you guys. Because we get to celebrate the father being reconciled with his lost daughters and sons. But I'd like to invite you to just to pray with me. And we're going to pray for two things. First of all, there may be some of you right here or watching, listening. And actually for you, you need to take that risk. You're, you're like the boy, you're like me when I was lost. When my father caught me, I was still profoundly ignorant as to where I was actually supposed to live 
In that sense, I was still lost, and yet I was not lost at all. I was utterly, completely found. Because lost is not about location, it's about connection. And for some of you, it's just to take a risk. I'm not asking you to um, sign on the dotted line right now, but I am asking you to take a step, because that's what the boy does. He says, look, how much have I got to lose? Nothing. How much have I got to gain? Potentially so much. And he begins to move towards his father. He starts to ask the hard questions. So I'm going to invite you just to take that risk. And for those of us that uh, know that we are totally profoundly found, I want to invite you to take a risk to bring others in, to be like the servants running alongside that old, loving, incredible man who really shouldn't be doing this at his age. He's going to have a heart attack. But wherever he runs, I'm going to run with him because I want to see people who are in turmoil, and I want to see people who are lost, and I want to see people who are disconnected from the divine brought close to my Father in heaven. Let's pray. I'm going to invite you to do a very simple thing. If you're watching, if you're here, and you do feel disconnected from your Father, maybe people would be surprised if you admitted that to them because everything looks good on the outside. But on the inside, you know that it's not where it should be. I'm just going to ask you and invite you just to take a risk, but to put your hands, palms facing up as a sign of surrender, a sign of invitation, like you're asking God to give you his Holy Spirit and to help you. It may be that you've got a long journey ahead of you, or it may be that you're on the home stretch. But just by doing this, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I'm willing to, I'm willing to take a risk. And I want to invite you, for those of you that feel like, oh, I know exactly who I should be inviting to Alpha or sharing my story with, but I just feel feel inadequate. I feel uncertain. I, I don't want to mess up the friendship. I don't want to get it wrong. I want you to take a risk as well. A running father needs running servants and helpers and children with him, welcoming in prodigals back home. So I want you to do the same thing. Just uh, have your palms open. What I want you to do is I want you to be asking God, Lord, would you give me your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit to give me compassion so I can feel what you feel, to give me boldness, sensitivity, wisdom, confidence in you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single one of us that's reaching out to you. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you'd come down, that you'd settle upon us. Father, I pray for those that feel like they have lost their connection with you. They know exactly where they are, and yet they're totally lost. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that as they begin to take a risk and begin to move towards you on that dusty path back home, I pray, dear God, that you'd come and meet them, change them. And Father, I pray for all of us that you'd give us that anointing of your Holy Spirit to be those that welcome people. Hey, there's a party, and it's all for you. Lord, we want to see our city 
reached for Jesus. We want to see our friends reached for Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, a blessing upon this church. It's so great that they cannot contain it. Lord, use them, multiply them, do miraculous, wonderful things through them for the sake of your beloved children. In the name of Jesus.